Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic and, usually, on location. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept. In this episode, we're discussing the great social and political upheavals that are happening all around us and the feeling of techies wondering what they can do to help improve the situation and bring more justice to the world. Before we begin, quickly, let's meet who's on the panel today. I'm Stephen Foskett, your host, uh, editor of Gestalt IT and founder of Tech Field Day. You can find me on Twitter at sfoskett, and you'll find a lot more of my writing on gestaltit.com. Hi, I'm Josh Fidel. I'm a Principal Solution Architect, Office of the CTO at Advisix. You can find me online at thevfidel.com and also on Twitter at jcefidel. I'm Leon Adato. I am a head geek. Yes, that's really my title at SolarWinds, which is neither solar nor wind. It is a systems monitoring software vendor. And you can find me on the Twitters, which I say to horrify my children, at Leon Adato. You can also find me, uh, I blog about things both technical and religious on adatosystems.com. I'm Karen Lopez. I'm Data Chick on Twitter. I'm a project manager and data architect based in Toronto, and it's all about the data for me. And I'm Pumla Schmidt. I am a senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, and you can find me on the Twitters as at Exchange Goddess, talking about food, wine, and tech, and lobsters. So a lot of us in the tech space have been watching um, <clears throat> sort of the, the major crises that are sweeping the world right now. We've got the COVID pandemic. We've also got um, just a tremendous outpouring of, I think, frustration over the state of, you know, race relations in America and policing. And a lot of us are wondering, what exactly can we do? How can we apply our tech knowledge? But also, I think um, those of us who are more self-reflecting are kind of asking ourselves, you know, what really do I have to say about these problems? You know, these are sort of outside of tech. But one of the things that uh, brought my attention to this topic uh, was when Josh uh, brought it up, I realized that um, many of us aren't just techies. Many of us do have lives outside of tech and, um, you know, strongly held beliefs. And um, that's especially true of the group of folks that we have on here today. I think that, um, you know, if, if you get to know any of us, you'll find that uh, we have well, a lot more to say about these things and a lot more life experience in these things than you'd expect from somebody who spends a lot of time talking about enterprise tech or data centers or whatever. Um, Leon, I want to start with you. You know, uh, tell us, you know, um, sort of how you, how people feel at this point in history and, um, and why we need to talk about this. Well, picking up from the thought that you said, I think that as, as IT people, we're sort of genetically predisposed to want to fix things. And looking around at the larger world, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and it's also easy to feel like there's no, I, I have nothing to contribute. I can't, I can't hack the social system to make it better. I can't geek harder uh, to do that. However, I think there's an opportunity for us to recognize that the systems that we're looking at outside of our homes in the world around are still have similarities to the systems that we deal with every day. Um, that there are ways that we have of looking at the way, uh, how things interact 
that may be different from people who aren't in IT. And likewise, I think that the techniques that we use to approach and even solve problems in our regular IT daily lives can be brought to bear to at least begin the process of analyzing and wrapping our heads around the problems that we see writ large across our society. And once you do that, you start to have a sense of not what can be done to fix it, but what can I do to play my part to help solve these problems or at least to help be part of the solution? So Josh, um, you were the one who, uh, you know, brought this concept to mind. Um, you know, is this, you know, how you feel um, as someone who is not just a, a nerd, but also a, uh, you know, caring human being and who's concerned about this? everything that's going on in the world? So there were some personal events that occurred to me that made me wonder what I could do uh, to help make things better. I mean, as a solutions architect, that's my job. I, I wanna make systems better. So I started looking into an ROI for the police. And I wanted to know, you know how much do we spend on the police yearly? Uh, what are their outcomes? What are our crimes cleared uh, reports? Um, you know, what are our uh, use of force complaints and how much do we pay in settlements? You know, it, really getting into the TCO of our police force. And I started digging into things and I was looking at data and I found that the data is terrible. Uh, one tool I did find put together by some people on NPR had data from 2011 to 2013. However, um, I, I contacted the people who put it together and what they told me was this, and, I, and this is a direct response from the people who built this data tool. The ragged quality of crime and police data nationally has been a problem for a long time. The federal government doesn't really have the leverage to require reporting because of local control of policing. This is one of the items being considered in Congress right now. I'm told. As I'm sure you will call, we don't even have an official national count of people killed by the police. News organizations like The Guardian, Washington Post, and a couple of websites create those counts by monitoring local news coverage. So that tells me something about the data. Um, and I, yeah. I, well, I turn to IT professionals to help. Yeah, and, and I think that that's, that's really it. And, and when you said that, it reminded me of the COVID count as well, which is just all over the place. You know, it, it's not clear what they're counting in different places, what they're including. You know, just this morning I heard that, uh, you know, like Georgia went through and like redid their count because they were including, well, things that they, sh you know, just all sorts of stuff. You know, it's, it almost seems like these people don't actually understand what they're doing. Well, and also, it, we just saw a news report the other day that they might have undercounted all the cases in March by 80%. Uh, just you 80%. Know, just 80%, right? And, and I just want to say that we in IT are no strangers to poor quality data, having to make decisions based on poor quality data. <laughs> and right? like, this is how I see the problem being a data person. So I'm always going to see it through those lenses is that so I have a little bit of background here, having worked in several criminal justice systems throughout the US, as well as being part of a three generation law enforcement officer family. Um, 
I get to see it from all kinds of points of view. And one of the things I know is they have terrible data issues, mostly because these systems for that kind of data are built from the ground up in very small silos. So a rural county police force that also has a sheriff organization covering the same area. So two small organizations in a small county. Um, if you don't design data to be shared outside of your silo, it makes it almost impossible. Even if all those data sets were just a switch was turned on and they could be shared now, they'd be practically unusable at this point. Um, if any is usable, it's only through the grace of their having to having used similar IT vendor systems. So we've got to work together, right? Like the the, the silos have basically got to stop. If we want to make progress, share data, these these independent local government, state government, federal government, we've, we've got to work together. We have to have some type of requirements. I believe that we have some, but not like a really defined set of requirements. And then we take those requirements and in each system or each, uh, you know, local government, state government, each part takes those requirements and builds off that. So we have a set of standards. We need standards. It's sort of like the, um, I don't know, I'm gonna throw DevOps into this as well, where it's about the people and we take the processes you know, we, we, we fine tune those processes with the tools that we're going to develop. We put everything together and yes, there's going to be iterations. We're going to be, you know, deploying production, certain systems. Um, we're going to be constantly improving it, but if we're all working together cohesively to an end goal, eventually we, we, we may, you know, get to a, a state where we can say that we are successful. You know, I, I'm realistic, it's not gonna happen overnight, but it takes the people, it takes changing culture. It takes people, it takes bringing people together, taking those people and say, hey, here are all the stakeholders. Let's get in the room, let's sit at the table and let's figure out what we have to do. You know, to Karen's point, let's figure out all that data. Where's all the data coming from? Do we need to refactor certain systems? Do we need to build new systems? We got, we basically have to start getting together and talking just like this round table. And, and it's just not talk. We actually have to have action. I support everything we're saying here, but if I come back to our premise that can we use what we know about IT to get towards a more just world? I mean, part of the problem we have is that we don't even understand the actual problem. We're seeing the edges of it but we have no way of monitoring what's going on in our local world with all of these systems. And by systems here, I don't mean IT systems. I mean the system of people, places, things and events that are happening around us. We hear about them, as Josh mentioned, because they made the news. But think about all the thousands and thousands of interactions we have with police, with other authorities, with conservation officers, with everything. Um, like it's as if we're managing a data center, meaning data center being like our society, but we have zero monitoring. We only manage to smoke and flames. And that doesn't even begin to cover all the problems with the system if we're only being firefighters instead of being 
actual managing the system. Like we're getting pretty good at predicting when a hard drive might fail, but we're not good at predicting when a team of people is going to fail spectacularly and it's going to harm people. We're, we're, we're good firefighters. We're just not good being proactive. Where's, you know, where's the fire alarm? We're not good at putting that fire alarm on and putting the battery in and get, getting those alerts. But hey, that fire is flaming. We've got the hose and we're just spraying tons of water. So one of the things that came up in our conversations um, yesterday and the day before is this concept of observability. Now, here in the IT space, a lot of us have been grappling with sort of analogous um, questions of, you know, how do we monitor systems? How do we monitor, you know, and, and, and of course, this is a system too. It's just not a tech system. How do we know what we don't know? How do we look for what we need to know? And this brought us to this whole thing of observability. So I'm hoping, you know, Leon, you, I think, were able to, uh, I mean, this is your thing, right? You were able to tell us, um, yeah, you know, in, in, our, in our previous discussions, um, you know, what is observability and, and um, you know, in a general sense? Sure. So um, to define observability, because we want to, we're good IT people, we want to define our terms before we go racing down the road of a solution, at least we're supposed to do that. Um, the idea, the general idea of observability is that you have multiple sources of information, not multiple sources of truth, but multiple sources of input. So whether that's logging or tracing or poll-based values, you have a lot of streams of input to understand what's going on with your systems, whether they're societal or IT, and you do two things with that. One, you want to find consistent sources of issues, not noise, but things that repeatedly and regularly and predictively go wrong. But the other thing you want to use observability for is to find the rare signals, the things that come up and have what's called high cardinality, a lot of uniqueness to it, because those sometimes are really good predictors of worse things to come the so-called black swan events. So using that in our current topic, the idea is can we first identify our sources of input even though we know that they're not perfect? So whether that's sources of news or going out and asking the police or the medical community, can you give me your data for the day or whatever it is and using that and aggregating it. Unfortunately, the hard work in observability is normalizing that data so that there's a consistency, at least the columns line up and going from there. So that's, that's the idea that we were hitting on as far as can we geek this problem harder? I would say, I mean, so you know, the majority of, of my work now is on the design. It's on the front end. And I would say we'd have to design a system and put these requirements for data gathering in place. We would have to put what are our constraints, uh, what are our design decisions when it comes to, to collecting and aggregating and reporting on this data. And I don't think we have any sort of system in place like that. So that's actually one of the things I'm going to advocate for, not only at a, a local level, but also at a state and federal. Well, and I think that one of the things that especially the Black Lives Matter um, protests have raised up is that we do need clearer sources of truth. And, and I think COVID has done it also. But again, the incentivization for normalizing and sharing that data was a lot higher. People, you know, everyone getting sick is different than what we're seeing out on the streets with the protests. And um, but I think that both are highlighting the idea that, yeah, we we need to have places that we can go 
and ask for this information. Karen, I, I know that you've dealt with this a lot more than I have. Yeah, I mean, this is where citizen data scientists, which I know sounds like a really fluffy world, but there are literally tons of people with good data qualification. And one of the hard parts about justice system data is we have to deal with privacy issues. We have to deal with um, the fact that the justice system, one of the things it struggles with is we have the opposite of a loyalty program. You have customers in the justice system who work really hard not to be identified as a return customer. So you have to have data items, like 140 data points to confidently identify a person. And that includes data about people's body parts, their scars, marks, and tattoos. Like that's also the hard part about aggregating this data. But let's say we anonymize that data and we're just going to report events and incidents, like not which hard drive failed, but actually how many, like let's say we did that. There's all these political issues with it. And by political, I mean local politics. So for instance, here in Toronto, there's been this back and forth about whether policing systems should collect uh, demographics like race or ethnicity or national origin because the sensitivity of that of the bias in arresting someone might make a classification or a group of people look like they're more criminal. And we're dealing with similar situations with that in the US. But I think here and outside the US, we have stronger federal structures. So there are some more reporting systems for collecting data. Um, but I think underneath, if you can't get, if you're only getting access to reports, you're not getting access to underlying data. And that's where the monitoring and observability, the sunlight happens. I think all of us can agree that um, sunlight is one of the most important things, um, you know, no matter whether you're trying to debug a system uh, in, in a technology sense or in a, a political and, and real world sense. Um, but um, you know, another uh, point that came up and that I'm concerned about is, you know, something that Karen talks a lot about in terms of sort of even understanding the context of the data, understanding, um, you know, what, what we're asking for and what this really means. And, um, you know, if, uh, you know, like she was just saying, you know, if we're going to classify things, um, you know, if we're going to include like, you know, ethnicity, for example, um, does that poison the data? Does that help the analysis, or does that lead to some undesirable conclusion? Um, and it could do any of those. I mean, it, it kind of comes down to understanding the, the nature of the data and the nature of the question. Um, you know, how do we um, improve not just collecting the data and categorizing the data, but actually using the data? That's, that's where the taking action part comes.